0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
1: Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are here to start the countdown to Halloween. And who is our favorite Halloween expert on the show? Not I, but Mr. Mike Gordon.
2: Howdy. You know, every year I try to do that, so it's kind of spooky, but it just comes across as like I'm having a stroke. So, <laughs> <was
3: thinking>.
2: uh, <laughs> Call 911. Call 911. So I probably should, should not do that because it's probably scaring. Although, you know, I mean, it is Halloween, so if you have to scare them, you know. People are listening. Like, is he okay? Um, Well, if you
1: have to go, let's go on the show, right?
2: (laughs) Exactly. But yes, even though last week, you know, the Joker review was kind of Halloweenish, I guess. You know, could be qualified. You could put it in that category. But really, this week is when we really start the countdown to Halloween, and you know, I can think of no better way than by uh, going through the uh, Disney's Haunted Mansion. Uh, That to me. Might be one of the centerpieces of of my interest in all things creepy, ooky, you know, uh, like just from a very young age. So um, it's going to be fun to talk about.
1: Kind of spooky and kind of oogie, you know, and totally that, groovy, man.
2: That, that, that yeah, <laughs> it's a, that's a different that's a different uh, song there.
1: Oh, I know. But it's kind of cool, though. It's going to be really fun. You've got some great shows lined up this season, and I'm really looking forward to being part of it. And we definitely would love to hear from you guys to be part of it. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. We definitely you know, want to hear from you. And if you want, we don't have a phone number anymore, but if you want, you can send us MP3s of... You know, any kind of messages you want to say, any Halloween memories or thoughts, please write us at, you know, like we said, at Earth Station one at ESO Network.com. Attach the MP3 and we'll play it up on the air. It's pretty darn awesome. Of course, you know, we have, you know, our social media where you could find Earth Station one everywhere. You could find us up on Facebook. You could find us up on Twitter. And, you know, ESO Network itself is everywhere also. We also have an Instagram. So it's pretty cool. Where you can find, you know, ESO and Earth Station One and all the other shows. But you know, you also a lot of people don't know that there is now an ESO network feed where you can find all of your shows. You can find them all under the ESO network. Just do a search for it. It's pretty darn awesome. Also, before we go any further, we want to say a big thank you to all our patrons. For without you guys, we wouldn't be doing this right now, we'd probably just be sitting in a room without the lights on or anything, just talking to each other. Because you know, it's because of you guys at home. It helps, you know, help with our servers, helps with our, you know, hosting, and it helps with you know all this kind of cool stuff that we have planned for you guys. And we do got some big plans being made, and we're going to talk about it later in the show, uh, retaining to some big events for Earth Station One. But you know, just want to big. Uh, give a big shout out to our patrons. And you too could become a patron for as little as 25 cents a week. Not too shabby. For a dollar a month, you could be part of the in crowd. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. Pretty darn easy. With that being said, let's see what we got for this week's Rants and Raves. Mr. Mike, what do you got for us?
2: Well, um, you know, uh, we've talked about our favorite, you know, holiday specials, Halloween specials. We've talked about our favorite horror movies or spooky movies that we like this time of year. We've talked about a lot of different kind of things. But one thing I don't think we've uh, ever really discussed is um, our favorite creepy or, you know, horror, if you will, um, artists. Um, you know, certainly Mike, I know that you're, you don't embrace Halloween as much as say, you know, I do, but I know that you like a good, uh, you know, spooky story. Uh, I mean, you used to read a lot of Vertigo titles for, for, you know, a while. So, um, and there's so many great, particularly comic artists, but this could open up to all different artists as well. Um, but just, uh, you know, Art. And particularly comic art that really kind of you think of these artists when you think of, you know, horror stories like these are the guys and girls that really set the mood um, for great, great spooky stories. Oh, sure. Um, I, I think, you know, to start with, um, I'm just going to put, I think, the master, in my opinion, the master of it was Bernie Wrightson.
1: Oh, of course, that was number one on my list.
2: Yeah, we've devoted, did we devote a show to him? Oh, we
1: sure he, as heck he did. did.
2: Yeah, I thought so. because. Uh, um, but that man, that artist is like really set the, the bar when it comes to setting a mood, uh, a creepy, dark mood for uh, a story. And it always served the story. It was never frivolous. Um, whether it was his work on, um, the Frankenstein adaptations that he did or Swamp Thing or, uh, some of the, some of the, um, I think he did uh, some work on, uh, some vampire books. Um, you know, he, he, like, and just some of his Batman work, some, just, you know, some of his other work that are just, uh, very, very, very creepy um, but in a in a in a way that you can't, it's, you don't turn away from. Instead, it draws your eye in that you just can't look away because it's so it's so beautifully depicted.
1: Oh, very much so. His work is so detailed, and you know, coming to mind is is well, I think of his Frankenstein that he oh, did, yes. and then also, of course, his uh, Swamp Thing mm-hmm. was. It's just breathtaking to think about but all his other work bernie just did some stunning work and not just for the big titles like dc and marvel he did you know a lot of independent or Mm self-published it's just bernie when i think of halloween and horror stories you know it doesn't get much you know scarier than that but I also have another, a couple others I could throw in there.
2: Yeah, I definitely want you to, 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 to yeah, I definitely hear from what yours are.
1: Well, first off, I'm going to say Gene Colin,
2: Oh, Gene Cullen, the guy who pretty much, like to me, I can't think of Tomb of Dracula that run on that Marvel book without thinking of Gene Cullen. Uh Sometimes I don't think he, you know, was serviced well by a great inker but no. uh, I, that's why I really love, and a colorist is really hard to find a, a great colorist for, for him. But that's why I really like the, um, the essentials, the Marvel essentials that they do. Oh, his black and white
1: stuff is just
2: awesome because they, they, they take the color out and those tomb of Draculas are just perfect in black and white.
1: Mm-hmm. And he created helped create blade.
2: Mm, who, yeah.
1: who's going to be popping back up in the MCU very soon. Yeah. And he also, you know, did a lot, he did some, you know, mainstream stuff. He did some Spider-Man and Fantastic Four, a lot of Doctor Strange too. Mm Mm-hmm. And everything. So, but also, you know, Gene also, you know, did some, uh, tried to recapture some of the magic he did with Dracula in DC. He did a uh, comic called The Night Force, which was pretty awesome too.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, yeah, if you ever get a chance to see Gene Colan. Also, let's throw into this category, Kelly Jones.
2: Yes, good call there. Um, Kelly Jones, uh, of course, I can't, I I think immediately of his work on uh, the Elseworlds uh, Batman Dracula series uh, that he did, which was just phenomenal. And then his run on Batman itself was just amazing. Very stylized.
1: Oh, his work always is stylized, whatever you see him do. And, you know, he's done so much of, you know, into the horror gothic type stuff. It's just, it is just amazing when you see some of the, you know, the scary amounts of things that he's, that he's done. (laughs) Uh, Pun intended. Mm -hmm. Of course it is completely intended, but also I'm going to throw another one that, you know, took me as a kid and you're going to be surprised by this one, Neil Adams.
2: Okay. All right. I can see that, actually. I mean, his work on Batman alone is, and and Dead Man, is -hmm. is very uh, creepy, uh, very much sets a mood, a dark mood of that book. Um, But is there something else you're thinking of?
1: No. One of the first works I saw of Neil Adams was a batman halloween story that he did Mm. with him and denny o'neill and it's a story about uh batman going to up to vermont to the halloween celebration they do up there and him having someone was dressed up as a grim reaper and it was you know killing people with a sickle and it was just amazing seeing his version of the of that it's you could see posters of this nowadays and it it just really struck me as you know that's a halloween you know pose and everything and it always stuck with me that way
2: to uh well speaking of uh batman and um holiday uh halloween uh stories i mean you have to put tim sale in the mix oh god Uh, yes those uh those those legends of the dark night Halloween specials became so big and popular that they were led to the 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 um the actual series um, which was um, uh, what was it dark Halloween no was it long Halloween long Halloween thank you yeah. and then uh and then uh, of course um uh, I think the the follow up with that was was dark victory but yeah, I mean, he's got uh, those those books are dark and I you know, I I've I followed him sale, I mean, I've I've loved a lot of his stuff that he did with like Grendel. Um, but uh yeah, he's I don't know if he's actually and correct me if you know this, but I don't know if he's actually done a a horror book? I don't think so. But uh yeah, he's he's one that I put up there and uh another one who's uh, a lot more modern that i almost instantly think of now when i think of uh, horror books is mike McNolan.
1: oh of course you know hellboy all the way or
2: hellboy but even before i before he created hellboy his his books just had this like really dark ink uh like darkness to that, that just was had this goth feel to it. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, of course, definitely. And his work is like no one else's His it was original. It was just like the way it was, it wasn't cartoony, but it wasn't crisp and clean either, which was really awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it was unique. I mean, I'm sure you can, you know, tie it to, a lot of different, um, you know, a lot of different influences. But I, when I saw Mike, Mike Mignola's work, I'd never seen anything like it. And, you know, not only his work on Batman, but when he did the uh, adaptation for Tops of the uh, Francis Ford Coppola Dracula book uh, series, that was it was just a perfect, perfect storm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he did a novel that he did illustrations for called Baltimore.
2: Right, right. He uh, uh, and he's created this, you know, as a writer and artist creator, he's created uh, one of the most uh, perfect horror superheroes, if you will, uh, maybe of all time, which is Hellboy and that cast of characters, including Abe Sapien and such. Uh, mm-hmm. He recently he recently was inducted into the Harvey Hall of Fame. And man, I can't think of too many people who would be, you know, um, like that should more worthy of that award because he he's an amazing artist and uh i you know i i'm glad that uh i think dark horse likes to put out something from him from him every halloween just a short story or whatever and i always grab those because oh sure uh, they are worth a read for sure
1: okay what about uh tony moore and charlie allard
2: yeah absolutely if we you know i mean we're talking zombies right yeah. i mean those Walking guys dead. yeah the, those guys i mean Tony Moore set the tone uh, with the first story arc, and then Charlie rode with it for a hundred and some issues down like until a day, until the end, <laughs> oh yeah, all the way to the end and I liked uh, Charlie Adlard was when I first noticed him when he was doing tops comics for x files, and he was so perfect for that book because it was just the the right amount of spookiness that the X-Files on the show had when it was starting out and really amazing um, that he brought to the books as well. And to see him then, you know, uh, get the, uh, get the walking dead nod. It was just, you know, I mean, I don't know what he's got planned next, but I, I can't wait.
1: No, exactly. It's going to be very interesting. And for him to cut it off like he did and finish the story. It was just awesome.
2: Yes, yeah. Um yeah, I mean I know that uh I know that uh he had, you know, he and and Kirkman uh got a lot of flack for the way they ended it, but I, I think after reading it, uh I think uh everybody will agree that that's that was the right the right thing. <laughs> so Oh yeah. Um You know, and I know we've talked about some other, you know, famous ones, Uh, certainly um, uh, Edward Gorey, um, Charles Adams. Uh, Those guys, yeah, those guys were able to uh, to give us some dark imagery that uh, both of them, not only dark imagery. And, uh, you know, I think that we're going to talk about this a little bit later with Haunted Mansion, but there's a darkness to it. But there's also a level of fun to it, which I think I enjoy about those as well.
1: Oh, God! Yes! but you know another one we have to bring up, and we've brought him up on the show in the past is Francisco Francovella
2: yeah, so our good friend Francesco is uh yeah you're right he's he's probably like a modern guy that just you know adds an element of darkness to it i mean uh i if people don't know, if people have out there listeners, if you have an Instagram account, make sure that you follow. Francesco Francavilla because the guy puts out like legit great art pieces like every day, sometimes multiple times a day. And, uh, you know, it's just, um, and he never ceases to amaze. He kind of just churns this stuff out on a, what he does like on a, uh, as a little sketch that he'll do, like, you know, watching TV or whatever. I'm like, just, just amazed by. So um
1: oh yeah and look at his stuff he did with the afterlife with archie
2: yeah absolutely which i wish that i don't you know i wish that title would come back at some point i mean it's been mm-hmm. a long time oh yeah so it's, um, pretty,
1: it's pretty awesome though
2: yeah i uh I definitely think that there's, you know, obviously some that we are uh, gonna leave out because there's just so many. Uh, Obviously those are the ones that immediately come to mind. But I certainly would love to, you know, put it to, uh, you know, our our wonderful listeners out there. Uh, Certainly once we post this show, feel free to comment and tell us about some of your favorite uh, artists that uh, inspire you or bring to life the halloween spirit to you this time of year because there's are just there's so many great artists and i love giving art especially ones that are not well known uh independent artists um i love giving them the spotlight and uh i guess that's a pretty good transition Mike, because i think we're about to do that um pretty soon here
1: oh yes we are yes yes we are that's pretty awesome though that's a great transition and we definitely would love to hear from you guys please write us at earthstation1 at esodetwork.com be great to do that let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment with the geek seat
4: Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. We've got a couple big sequels coming out in theaters this weekend, the first of which is Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Now, by and large, I've enjoyed pretty much all of the Disney live-action remakes, including the first Maleficent movie starring Angelina Jolie as the famous fairy tale villain. One of the things I really enjoyed about the original Maleficent is that it veered farther from the source material than some of these other Disney live-action remakes, and it really made repainted Maleficent as more of a misunderstood anti-hero than the villain we're used to seeing from the cartoon version of this story. It's been quite a while since the first one, so I'm kind of surprised that they've waited until now to do the sequel. And I'm also curious if they're going to repaint Um, Angelina Jolie's Maleficent as a villain in the sequel. Kind of seems like maybe she could be based on the trailers. But again, I've really enjoyed a lot of these Disney remakes. I mean, I'll be curious to see how well it does in the theaters this weekend. It's already been a big year for Disney with Frozen 2 and The Rise of Skywalker still to come. So even if this one is a flop, Disney won't be hurting. But it's always interesting to see how a follow-up will perform in comparison to the original, especially since, again, it has been a couple years. And another sequel that I am looking forward to is Zombieland Double Tap. It's been a long time since I've seen the first one. I feel like I need to rewatch it to kind of get familiar with the characters again, but I really enjoyed this comedy horror, which is about, of course, zombies. And I mean, if you've got Woody Harrelson as a zombie hunter, I'm in. So I'm looking forward to seeing it, and it looks like it might be a fun time at the movies. Finally, on DVD this week we have the horror film *Crawl*, which is about killer alligators. If you're looking for something scary to watch as we get closer to Halloween, and that's it for this week's box office buzz. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog, boxofficebuzzab.wordpress.com.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the comedy stylings of Hugh for the poor collection. When I was
3: part of the Borg Collective, my Borg wife was so fat, when she sat around the Collective, uh, she sat
1: around the Collective. The Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the ESO Network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it's time for our Geek Seat segment. Let's welcome Selena Balls to the show. Welcome.
5: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: Thank you for joining us, um, especially in our Countdown to Halloween episodes. For those people who may not be familiar with you and your artwork and such, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
5: Uh, Well, my uh, artwork is usually uh, done in digital. Um, I like to do fantasy stuff. I like to do spooky, kitschy nonsense. And uh, I'm most known for uh, doing a horror hosting show. Uh, known as Guella Deville. And uh, she has a comic book uh, that's out right now and um, a lot of future plans with her as well.
2: Awesome. Tell us a little bit about, yeah, speaking of Guellas, tell us a little about the, the origins and, and how that all started.
5: Uh, Guella's Origins was actually just a costume contest. Um, by It was probably about five years ago. And I wanted to do something kind of in the realm of cartoony and not necessarily gory. Uh, So I body painted myself and walked around like a pinup kind of, uh, uh, you know, function of it. And uh, a friend of mine had asked me if I had ever considered horror hosting. And I said, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, you know, like Elvira. And I was like, I don't think I have the boobs for that, but you know, appreciate the compliment. <laughs> she was like, no, no, no. She's like, you got to look up this documentary uh, about horror hosting. It's called American Horror. Look it up and watch it. And she's like, I swear, like, you're going to want to make your own public broadcasting, like horror hosting show when you're done. And sure enough, yeah, she knew me. So, (laughs) and I did, I I jumped into it cook, line and sinker. I uh, painted myself up. It was an hour and a half of body paint. You can kind of see the evolution uh, throughout the years of how she changed and uh, how I got a little bit better. Um, and then I, uh, I built a set, I made merchandise. I just, I, I made my costumes. I did everything, uh, for that particular character. And I, I had a load of fun with it. Um, you can still see a couple of episodes on YouTube. Uh, and you can also see it on the website, the com website. You can see them there. And, uh, and I, yeah, it was just so much fun. Um, it's a little exhausting uh, doing all of that work by myself. And uh, so whenever, you know, it came time to kind of change and shift gears a little bit, um, I decided that it would be, uh, I could really tell her story and tell a lot more stories um, with that character by doing a comic book. And uh, so I did, I made a 10 page full color uh, comic book. And uh, it was just a little one-off story. um, Just something to kind of like try to dip into that because I'd never made a comic book before in my life. Uh, So that was completely new territory. And um, whenever I uh, put it out there, I was like, this is so much fun. I should do this again. (laughs) So uh, whenever I did, uh, whenever I started up a, a Patreon, um, that was one of my tears was, uh, you know, after a certain amount, I can start producing uh, the guillain Deville comic and really set and focus a lot of my time to that because uh, it is very labor intensive to produce a comic. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Um, oh, there's, yes. There's, yes. There's, <laughs> there's a reason why uh, a lot of your uh, Marvel and Image Comics and, you know, those kind of stuff that's on the, you know, that's a newsstand um, has normally got four or five different people's, uh, names on it, uh, as credit for doing it for inks, for pencils, for story, uh, for all of that, because it is a massive amount of work for just one person to do. Uh, so it takes a very long time to produce one if it's just you by yourself. So, um, but I'm, I'm in it to win it. So (laughs) I would like to make more comics of her. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah the the comic is great. Uh I got myself a copy of that and uh the characters fun and it's a real great look. Um you know like you said it's a sort of it's not it's not very it's not like gory but it's also kind of on that line which is like really kind of the, in the, the adventure spooky elements of it I think. Um what 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 you want from a good horror host I think. So it's kind of <laughs> interesting that, uh, now you said that, um, of course, um, that you weren't as familiar with horror hosts and, and comics and such. Did you like growing up, did you like to have an interest in just, like horror movies at all, or?
5: You would be surprised, but as far as my childhood and my upbringing, I was uh, raised devout Jehovah's Witness and, uh, and things like, uh, horror movies, uh, magic movies or uh things that had to deal with holidays or anything like that were strictly forbidden. So I only ever got to enjoy horror and uh, you know, even just Halloween in general and all of that stuff, um, you know, until I was, you know, probably in my mid teens. Uh okay. so so a lot of it is still, you know, kind of fresh for me, and uh, but I really do enjoy it. I think the closest thing to horror that I ever got to watch whenever I was a kid was probably the Predator movies <laughs> An alien. <laughs> and Alien. Uh, and I think, uh, but yeah, I, I kind of snuck watching those movies, and like that wasn't really something that we were technically allowed to do. But you know, kids be kids. <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to break the rules. We're going to watch what we want to watch.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, uh, uh, yeah. And you know, if I find. look, I'm still getting caught up on a lot of the classic stuff myself. Um, I mean, there's just so much, so much, uh, that, I mean, if you just say horror, it really doesn't do like the whole genre justice because there's just different kinds. And, um, I think it's, uh, it's fun to explore them. And that's, that's one of the things we like to do in October. So um, now have you been producing artwork your entire life as well?
5: Uh, For the most part. Yes. Um, I've always had an interest in drawing. Um, I kind of saw, I I have an older brother who does like phenomenal, you know, uh, mural photo realistic kind of uh, imagery with mixed media. And he's, he's very much like into the fine art uh, spectrum of art. So he doesn't really do any of this you know goofy cartoony comic book stuff like i do but uh <laughs> um he was very much like my first teacher and my first inspiration to it because of course you know um he's about 8 years older than me so you know 14 15 year old you know horny little kid he's uh he's like drawing all the uh all the comic book girls from gen 13 and x men and stuff like that so uh so that's where i kind of got like my first like look into gosh you know it's so fun to draw girls (laughs) so so i love i love drawing women it's very fun um and of course they get the best costumes i mean what can i say
2: you know what you're right absolutely i totally agree i mean and there's there are certain artists out there male and female that are are sort of known as you know uh like female form artists or women artists right um but i never i don't think i've ever heard of an artist referred to as a dude artist
3: like 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 they
2: specialize in dudes you know i I
5: only ever draw men
2: (laughs) (laughs) exactly i I mean
5: mean, you you do kind of notice with like certain artists like what their preferred subjects are of course and what they tend to want to shy away from. Um, for me, it's only been in recent years that I've really gotten into learning how to draw the male form, uh, mainly because I'm just not that good at it. Uh, and so it, so I always see everything that if I'm not good at it, I want to keep doing it until, you know, until I can get a little better at it. I don't like, um, I don't like having shortcomings whenever it comes to my art. I want to, you know, learn, learn and and branch out and, uh, and kind of figure out, you know, where I can go with it. So I think that also falls into different ethnicities and things like that, that I'm always wanting to experiment with, um, different body types, different size people. Um, you know, mainly because if you want to draw comics, you got to learn to draw a a huge range of people, old people, young people. Um, you know, because if the story calls for it, you got to do it. So, I'd like to have the practice first before, before you got to do that one panel <laughs> with, uh, with little kids or, or with an old <laughs> grandma or something, you know, and then, so. <laughs>
2: well, and that's, the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the, where in lies the problem, because, you know, I mean, uh, independent comic book people are not uh, making tons of money, that's for sure. Um, so that, that's, uh, that's, that's the other side of that coin. But oh, nobody, um, nobody
5: gets into comics trying to get rich. That's never going to
2: happen. Well, I think some people think they are, but yeah, that's that's pretty much dashed pretty quickly. Um, um, I, think, I think
5: a lot of people confuse fame with with money,
2: <laughs> and
5: you you that's can true. be very famous and have absolutely no money. <laughs>
2: It's true. Absolutely. So, uh, tell us a little bit about what, uh, you've got going on right now. I know that you do some art shows. You've got the Instagram, you've got a, uh, an Etsy store, right?
5: I do I have an Etsy store. Um, you can buy any of my prints. You can buy the actual comic book, um, about the comic is that this, the particular one in which I put out a couple of years ago, uh, was done on old school, you know, large Bristol board, uh, comic book pages and then of course they were scanned in and then i you know worked on it from there uh s- since that time though i've gotten a tablet and i've gotten some new software that i've been playing with for the last couple of years that i absolutely love uh, so i think that whenever i do another comic i'm going to jump start it uh, as kind of a reboot almost um, just do it completely differently uh, and i think whenever i do that i'm most likely not going to reproduce uh, the old one again. So collector's item, guys. Only got seven of them left. Yeah,
2: that's the way to sell it. Limited edition.
5: It's limited edition. It will never be reprinted again.
2: <laughs> there you go. There you go. You have to start numbering them now. Uh, uh, well, very cool. Well, we'll definitely have the links to all of that in our show notes for people to check out your work. Uh, but now it's time for you to pay the piper. Uh, Mike, I think uh, I think she's ready. She's warmed up. Uh, I think it's time for the geek seat.
1: Well, she's used to being tied up and such, so I don't think this is going to be that much of a challenge for her. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> so are you ready? I,
5: I, yeah, yeah, let's
1: do it. <laughs> she was almost speechless there for a second.
5: I've got the rope ready. Let's do it.
1: Oh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> Selena, what was your favorite geek out moment?
5: Uh Gosh, what constitutes as a geek? As a geek? <laughs> this
1: is my, this- you, you could be, as we say most to pe- most people who are on this segment, you could be a geek about anything. You could yeah. be a geek about music. You could be a geek about horror. You could be a geek about TV, art, you know, sports, whatever. It's really
2: whatever you're passionate exactly. about. Exactly. Whatever you're most passionate about, that's what you geek at.
1: You know, basically, geek is another word okay. for passion okay in this case
5: so as far as like an experience that i had where i just completely lost it
3: <laughs> mm, sounds good to um, me that would
5: probably be the time that i met doug jones uh at dragon con yes the doug jones uh, oh that's was, awesome he was outside uh and we were outside uh me and a, and some friends of mine i was dressed as Guella. Uh, and he was saying goodbye to a friend of nice. his, and so I waited very politely for him to say goodbye, and then he started to walk back into the hotel, and I ran in three-inch heels uh, to catch up to him, and I and I tapped him on the shoulder, and I was like, are you Doug Jones? And he's like, I am, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I, I don't know how it happened, but he, But my hands were in his and I was just jumping up and down telling him how much I loved him so much. I've
3: never never said that way
5: to anybody before. And I was just so excited. I was I was basically uh, going down the list, telling him all of the movies that he's been in, like he doesn't know the movies that he was in, you know. <laughs> he's like, oh, you were in Hellboy, and then you were in Hocus Pocus, and I just really like all the characters that you've made. You're really good at what you do. <laughs> He was was very nice. He was very patient with me, and he was like, "Well, thank you very much." I was like, "And I really want to like make something that you would ever that you would put on one day in one of your movies. That would be my dream." And he's like, "Well, I would love to put on anything that you would make. Thank you." And so, yeah, he was he was very nice about the whole the whole experience. (laughs)
1: So you're basically gushing at each other. That is yes, awesome. Yes,
5: I'm very grateful that a photo exists of that moment of me just absolutely elated <laughs> to be to be interacting with Doug Jones. So that was great. That's it was awesome. a great geek out moment. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> that is awesome. I hate to say this, but let's look at the flip side of that. What was your most
5: disappointing geek out moment? My most disappointing geek out moment. Hmm. Uh, well, I don't think that I've had any uh, any negative experiences with with anybody famous, at least not on my end. <laughs> they might they might have seen me as, you know, oh god, here she comes. You know, um, I would say disappointing. Geek out moment. Hmm. We might have to come yeah. back to that question. Let me think about it a little bit. Sure, oh, sorry, it's always
1: good. What geeks you out the most?
5: Uh I'm going to say something that probably makes me instantly happy is anything to do with puppetry or or cl- or claymation or animation of some kind. I, I absolutely am just such a huge fan of it. I don't know how to do any of that at all. And so I get to enjoy it purely as an as an outsider looking at as this beautiful piece of art. So anything with puppetry, Jim Henson Company doing all of the fantastic stuff that they're doing right now uh, is amazing. Um, animation. I mean, I I just absolutely love anything with Hayao Miyazaki uh, that he oh, that he produces. Just such beautiful but, work.
1: Totally makes sense to me. You got great taste.
3: <laughs> Thank <there>. you.
1: <laughs> what turns your geek off?
5: Um, I'm gonna say probably people that care more about stats than they do story when it comes to the de- when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons. People feel like they want to play the game to win, and I don't. Th- and I think that everybody's already winning if you're having a good time. Mm-hmm, so exactly. I, I don't see the point in wanting to argue over stats whenever it doesn't matter. Just make any character you want and just make it happen. It's going to be fun regardless who, who needs to win at D and D we're all winners.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. You're all living a fantasy right there. Yeah. Totally cool. What fictional character would you like to meet the most?
5: Fictional character. Um, I actually, I'm going to go like way out on a, on a limb on this one. I'm going to say Q from Star Trek series. Oh, wow. I, I, I've I've always loved the concept of his character. He can make and create anything he could possibly want or desire. And yet he still decides to screw around with Jean-Luc Picard and just, and just be annoying. Like, the, <laughs> I, I I find his, um, I guess his uh, trickster nature to be very interesting.
1: Sure. No, that's really good, actually. I like that a lot. <laughs> what fictional character would you like to meet the least?
5: Oh, uh, I'm going to go with. Probably somebody probably a character that scared me a lot. Uh and that would probably be Pyramid Head uh from the Silent Hill video game series.
1: Oh, wow. Uh he,
5: he scared me a lot, and I and I think it's because his um not necessarily he's not necessarily like scary looking, of course. I've seen a lot more scary looking characters than him. Um but I think it's because of his interaction with you as the player. Uh, Sometimes he doesn't care that you're around at all. And then sometimes he is in 100% hot pursuit of you and nothing else matters. And I think it's that unpredictableness that puts me on high anxiety. And so I think that I think I would least like to interact with him because there's no way that you can talk yourself out of whatever he wants to do. And (laughs) I think that that scares me the most.
1: No, totally makes sense to me yeah i could see that what is your favorite geek word phrase quote or pose
5: oh gosh you might have to elaborate on that one like just from anything like a favorite
1: anything like you know some people might say may the force be with you or live long and prosper or get the hell off my lawn you know you know stuff like that
5: (laughs) hippity hoppity get off my property (laughs) <laughs> exactly there you go i yeah i i have no there's so much cool quotes and things like that i that, that would be such a hard one to try to narrow it down um yeah oh my nope. gosh that is that is hard
1: see i told you this is not going to be easier and they're still going to get harder as they go along <laughs> <laughs> all right selena what is your ideal geek occupation?
5: Hmm. Make comic books for a living.
2: (laughs) Okay. It's, it's the make living part. Yeah.
5: Yes. It needs needs to make a living people. Patreon, give me $2 a month and that's all I need.
1: (laughs) So $2 straight. That's it. Yeah, All just
5: right. $2. I'll live on water, bread, and rice for the rest of my life. I'm fine. Wow. I <laughs> want to know where you
1: can get bread and rice for that cheap. Cool.
5: <laughs> you, you grow it yourself, and after 20 years, you finally get some kickback.
1: <laughs> what key occupation would you like not like to do, though?
5: Um, probably manage a GameStop. Okay. That's probably going to be uh, that. I mean it is an occupation within the geek realm. And I'm probably going to say that probably the worst thing I could think of is retail, but with the gloss <laughs> of games over top of it.
3: Ooh, yeah.
1: Getting the gamers coming. How much can I get for this? And it's like, it's all chewed up. Uh, <laughs> it's a collector's item, man. <laughs> I
5: yeah. I like, I'm like, yeah, it still smells like cat pee. So. No. <laughs>
1: exactly. I, ah. I used to have that come, when I had my comic shop. Can I get anything for this? It's like you, you just can, bought it 15 minutes ago. No.
5: You say you can get out of my store.
1: <laughs> That's a good way to do it, too. <laughs> all right, Selena. Are you ready for your final question in the geek seat?
5: Yeah, let's
1: do it. All right. This is for all the marbles. So, what is your ultimate geek fantasy?
5: Oh, my. Uh, remember, we
1: are somewhat family friendly on the show. uh,
5: (laughs) You know, you gotta, you gotta tell me that first, okay, before the interview. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right, let's see here. Ultimate fantasy. Uh, one where I'm making a living, doing what I love, (laughs) making art for people that they all like. That'd be great. Um, yeah, I, Gosh, you know what? Uh, I think that my ultimate fantasy is to live in a world where I get a new game series of Grim Fandango. Oh, I think that's probably going to be that would probably be my ultimate fantasy. If they were like, hey, we got the rights from LucasArts and we are going to produce a brand new Grim Fandango video game. I would absolutely be fine with dying the day after I played it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Wow. I that that show is a uh uh underrated gem.
5: It really is. The the I mean, the actual, you know, gameplay, horrible. But the writing is absolutely <laughs> the funniest stuff I've ever heard in my life.
2: Yeah. And the visuals are fantastic. The world that they create.
5: Yeah, just just the concept of you're a grim reaper and grim re- and reaping is just so bureaucratic and terrible. <laughs> it's just it's so much fun, though. I absolutely love it. I love the, you know, the Mexican imagery of, you know, the Day of the Dead is so fun.
1: No, totally understandable. That's very cool, though. Well, Selena, I got some great news for you. Okay. You've made it through the Geek Seek. Congratulations!
5: We doesn't
1: mean doesn't mean we're untying you or anything.
5: Oh uh, well, no. is, is I guess that's my prize: is to not be untied.
1: Well, <laughs> yes, to some people that is a reward.
2: So there you go, <laughs> sir. So, Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young lady what she's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth twenty dollars and six cents.
5: Oh, nice i buy me an ice cream.
2: <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> I was going to say, that could put you up in rice and, and bread for a long time.
5: Yeah. Just just donate that right to my PayPal, and we're good.
2: <laughs> Will do. Okay, well, it's been great having you join us on the station. Once again, where can people find you online?
5: Uh, you can find me on Etsy. You can find me on Patreon, and you can also find me on Instagram. All of that under Briar Crow Art. <laughs>
2: Awesome. And like I said, we will have links to uh, both of those in our show notes so that people can find you and hopefully pay you with more than just rights.
5: Yay, that'd be great. Thank you so much for having (laughs) me. It was so much fun.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for joining us.
5: All right. I'll see you guys later.
0: Hey everybody, Michelle here with the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment, and this week it's all about The Cure. Robert Smith confirms that the band has not one, not two, but three albums in the works, and that the first one should drop by the end of the year. Uh, he says he'll be bitter if it doesn't. Um, sadly though, this uh, he says this album is shaped by his experience of losing his dad, his mom, and his brother. Uh, I'm not sure of the time span in which that all took place. Um, their last album, I think, was 11 years ago. Um, but that is some some very intense uh, stuff to be dealing with. Um, as for the other albums, he says, The second one is that has freer pieces with a more pronounced and stronger sound. And that it will be recorded live. I don't know if he means that's a concert setting or... No no overdubs. And the third one, he says, is a crazy noise disc with different aspects and environments uh, based on experiences and situations where noise is present and to which we are so accustomed that we don't pay attention. So that's what's on the horizon for The Cure. And coming out this Friday, the 18th, uh, Curation 25, from From There to Here, From Here to There. Dr. Seuss fans can fill the rest of that in from funny things are everywhere. Um it was built around uh footage from their twenty eighteen Meltdown Festival set. Um and it will also contain the previously released uh seventy eight to twenty eighteen Live in Hyde Park concert. Um this uh set will either will include either Uh, The deluxe with the two Blu-rays, two DVDs, and four CDs, or just a two Blu-ray, two DVD set. So look for that on Friday. And uh, Tuesday, by the time you hear this, the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, ballot for the class of 2020 will have been announced. So uh, stay tuned for us to unpack that. Uh, This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com. Have a great week, and we'll catch you next time.
6: Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different.
1: Now for our first real segment on the countdown to Halloween, it's looking at the 50th anniversary of the Haunted Mansion. Take it away, Mr. Mike.
2: Yes, uh the uh the the Great Ride, one of my favorite rides. Uh not just of Disney, of probably of any park anywhere. Uh, and uh we've got some great folks joining us to talk all about it. Uh first off, we've got returning to us uh from um uh, he has joined us for a lot of our other um, Countdown to Halloween episodes in October, the award-winning artist, Mark Maddox.
7: Hey, thank you for having me on for this show. I really <laughs> appreciate it. No, I mean, I just, it's a, this is a great subject. This is a great subject. So, no problem yeah. there.
2: Yeah, cool. Well, we're glad we we're glad we came up with a subject worthy enough for you to join us. Thank you so yes, much. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. And uh, we also have joining with, uh, again, from after a long absence, Rita Delatorre is here.
8: Hello, everybody.
2: Howdy.
8: How are you? Well, thank you for inviting me to talk Haunted Mansion. I would have been offended if you didn't.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, when you show up at Dragon Con with a car that has a Haunted Mansion pattern all over (laughs) in the parade... It's kind of just sending me a message that just screaming, Mike, you got to have me on the show. Yeah, at least that's the message I took.
8: Yeah. yeah,
7: yeah. Rita, Rita would appreciate the fact that we have haunted mansion shower curtains, haunted mansion coffee cup set, haunted mansion. I should have put the I should have wrapped the blanket around me. Tonight. <laughs> I mean, we just got we've got the haunted mansion entrance sign out here in the foyer. Yeah, we we love it so. Cool.
2: Well, you know, it's so, it's so amazing. I mean, Disney is not really known for marketing things that well. So it's amazing that there's that many products for you guys to, to enjoy. Yeah, but
8: there didn't always. Uh,
2: no, it's, no, That's you're it, right. It, it, the Haunted Mansion is tough. It,
8: it is. It's, it's always been the most iconic attraction in Disneyland, in the Magic Kingdom. Uh, it's always been and always will be my favorite ride since I was a child. And the fact that they only came up with the Memento Mori shop and, you know, this really amazing line of products that have only come out in the last few years. I'm like, we've been waiting lifetimes for this stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's that's true.
7: Um, We, uh, you know, I used to go to the Haunted Mansion and look around and go, there's like a record, you know, that's it, which I bought. You know, yeah. and, and there was the original, uh, the original record from the sixties. They, they kept redoing on CD with Ron Howard and, uh, I forget, I but then, but then there's the other one that's actually the ride, which, you know, uh, which we played it to, um, we played it so much, me and the kids, I think it's the reason I got divorced <laughs> is that
1: makes she, so much sense. It she she really was sick does. and
7: tired. Well, it was like worth it. Thanks, Walt. Uh, but um, <laughs> you know, we played it so many times. She, I think she was gonna throw herself from the moving vehicle. So are, are uh, you kidding?
8: I have it no. on my phone, uh, the no. the full one too, the one that's like twenty five minutes long. I yeah, listen yeah. to it while yeah. I'm in the car. I listen to it while I'm at work, and and I love it because it helps me to de stress a little bit and relax.
7: Yeah, it's great. It's 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 perfect.
2: Let's uh let's go back and, and talk about our first experiences or earliest experiences with uh, the Disney attraction. Uh, what was your first experience, Rita? And and where was it? Was it in uh, Disneyland, Disney, uh, the Magic Kingdom? Uh, where where were oh, you? Oh, it was
8: definitely the Magic Kingdom. I was a kid. Uh, I think I was like five or six. I was never scared of the Haunted Mansion. I always found it fascinating. There was always this very romantic and nostalgic, um, sense that I would get from the Haunted Mansion. And that's partly why I've always loved it. I, if, if you, if they would let me, I would stay in that doom buggy and go round and round and round for hours on end and never get off. I'd live in the library
2: alone.
7: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mark what about you? Well, um uh, being a little bit older than you by at least a few minutes. I remember going to That's a hell re- of re- lot re- of minutes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so anyway, uh I was got, in like I think it was around 70 71 or whatever the I don't know if you guys remember a little uh, uh little uh, newspaper thing they used to give you in school called My Weekly Reader. But they did. They would always have different articles and stuff on it. And one of them was the cre- that the fact that Disney World was officially opening and all that. You'd see that, and then you'd see uh, you know, a Disney episode, Wonderful World of Disney, where they would talk about the attractions and them building the robots and stuff. And you were like, "This is insane that this actually exists." I mean, it was like. You know, it was like pre Westworld, sort of like you know, at least you know, Mule Brenner wasn't shooting at you or anything like that. But it was, it was almost like it. It was the, the same kind of thing. And so, I got to see it in uh, the winter of 1974. My parents just said, "Yeah, we're going to go down. We're going to, we're going to take a look." And uh, at Christmas, and they said Christmas hardly anybody would be there, and it was like it broke attendance records. But we went, and it was just amazing how perfect a ride it was. It's amazing to me how perfect a ride it is still. There have been nights we've gone down there, and oh, fireworks are starting, so people are getting off the ride, and I'm like, "To hell with that!" And just get on the ride and ride it like six times, and just never get tired of it. It's it's amazing. As a matter of fact, I was telling Linda recently, we got to get back down there so I can get on that ride again.
2: <laughs> Mike, what about you?
1: Well. I was lucky because, you know, my parents took me to Disney, I think, the first time. it's probably like 10 or 11. Now and Disney
2: World? Disneyland?
1: Disney World. I didn't make it to Disneyland until I was well into my 20s. Okay. So Disney World was my first experience with it. And to say I was scared of haunted houses before this is an understatement. And... I was just like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I really, you know, and my dad was like, dude, it's Disney. They're not going to scare you that much, you know, type thing. And so trepidantly, I went in and I had a blast. I had a ball. And since then, I've not been scared of one haunted house since. (laughs) And it was just, you know, it opened my eyes to it. And it was just amazing. I just had, you know, Disney was just, you know, the Haunted Mansion from walking into the hall and the floor lowering you and the portraits, you know, basically, it it just shows you what you're in store for. And it is a frightful fun of half hour, 25 minutes that you're got to keep on doing and doing and doing because you're going to see something new every single time.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean there's nine hundred and ninety nine uh haunts that you have to like try to check off, right? Like exactly them all, right? I don't recall how old I was uh when we first went to Disney World. I've only been to Disney World, I've never been to Disneyland, so I've never seen the first original uh haunted mansion. Uh but uh we went to Magic Kingdom a few times when I was young, very young. Uh so probably uh, around the same time Mark that you did like around 74 75 was probably my first time because I know that I I I could barely walk. Um, uh I know that I was still in the age where I was crawling um uh, even though my parents didn't like me crawling. Yeah, um, Trinket'll do that. Yeah. Yeah exactly. That was yeah, that was just last year. Um but uh, uh <laughs> um, but All the time, whenever we went to Magic Kingdom, my favorite corridor was that strip from Adventureland to, um, now Haunted Mansion is technically in the same area that uh, the Hall of Presence is, right? It's in, um, what is it called?
7: What's the the name of that section? I forget. Is it Uh, uh, New
2: Orleans Square?
8: It's... um... Well, in, in Magic Liberty Kingdom Square, it's Liberty right. Square. Right. It's
2: so it's not leave. really yeah, yeah, it's not mm-hmm. really an Adventureland or per se but but there's that like there's like you can actually take a path from from Adventureland where the Enchanted Tiki Room is and then you pass by Pirates of the Caribbean and then there's Haunted Mansion. So there's a strip that's like that is my favorite like Tri- that's the Trinity for me of of Disney rides and just rides in general. Like I could stay on on that though str- that strip of land for like you know the rest of my days. Yeah,
8: I'm I'm the same way too. It's Tiki Room, Jungle Cruise, Pirates. Yeah, Jungle and Cruise Haunted is right Magic. up
2: there too for me, but not. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's it's down further than the other three for me. And they're all a perfectly a magical experience, exactly what Disney's known for like mike said uh i was not a big fan of haunts like you know um you know the the, in particular in massachusetts we had this carnival whalen park area that had this rickety haunted area that was just all dark and you know like fluorescent stuff would come at you and you know they'd have like little skeletons and stuff like that and it was you know it was really hokey but for a kid just was unnerving and yeah. i just never cared for that sort of thing at all yeah. the haunted mansion is different it's not your typical kind of haunt even to this day you know like where you know disney and and special universal has those massively complex haunts that but that's a different experience and i think what haunted mansion tries to do and i think now you guys might have to like inform me a little bit because with the development of this it originally was supposed to be like your typical carnival or park walking walk through haunted ride right and then it kind of evolved over the years
7: well i mean i think that they uh, when they started it off the original intent was a little more sadistic something about a sea captain whose wife had bumped him off or something and uh, you know i don't remember the whole story but it was in development and and got passed around from person to person different creatives uh and i think they just refined it to a point where i mean i don't say i don't think this ride is scary at all i mean i remember i took my daughter on it when she was pretty little and when she heard that a ghost was going to follow you home she screamed and i'm like no they're just it's, it's not true sweetheart it it didn't mean it but you know but it's it's got that disney feel to it. it's the same stuff you see with their animation you know uh, stuff that was going on at the time like the aristocats and the jungle book it had that style to it it's not really meant to scare you but it's very moody it's very spooky and creepy but not really fearful it, it doesn't have any sadism to it like like uh, a lot of like we went to a i remember hell when nixon was getting elected and we went to a darn uh, uh, a ride at the state fair in raleigh north carolina It was like guys with axes you know swinging the axe at you it was so poorly run though like the guy's axe had fallen off and my friend stood up and like the hand was out there exposed he goes oh hi how are you i mean it was just or screaming stuff you know like you said coming at you and there's a little bit more of a sadistic edge to those Uh, haunted mansion doesn't have that to me it's all it it can give you some creepy ideas like the guy who's in the uh in the uh, coffin saying let me out let me out i mean it's a spooky idea but it's not to the point where you're repulsed you know what i mean yeah no absolutely
1: oh very much so because it's like they lighten it right away with the hitchhikers yes as your guides and to make it not so scary for younger kids right and so it, you know, that sets the mood right there. Yeah.
8: In fact, I think the only true part of the ride that may scare the kids is right at the beginning when you're in the stretching room and the lights go out and you hear the scream. You know, once in a blue moon, I'll see a kid go, ah, yeah. oh, I don't like this.
2: I, uh, I got actually, uh, this was in college. I got the biggest scare in that room that I've ever had at almost any haunt that I've ever been in because, you know, I've been on the ride several times. So uh, I knew what was going to happen. We got in the room and I'm just staring at the portraits because you can't not stare at them. They're just so gorgeous. And the way that it works, it's just seamless. It's like, yeah, you really don't feel like you're on an elevator or a lift. You just feel like the room is literally stretching and going and moving up rather well, it, than you're moving down, right?
1: Exactly.
8: Here's a little. Um, here's a little uh, haunted mansion uh, fact, by the way. It's not an elevator in the Magic Kingdom. It is in Disneyland, okay. though. Right. Okay. Yeah, in, in in Disneyland, because they did not have enough room to expand on the surface, they actually built the ride underground, which gotcha. is why it's an elevator. But in Magic Kingdom, you know, they had all the land they could possibly want. So the, str- the walls actually do climb yeah, up. And that's it's yeah, not good point.
2: that's a good point. Um, just to finish up real quick. So um, so I'm staring at these, these beautiful portraits stretching, the effects and everything. I'm taking it all in. Unbeknownst to me, one of the cast members is positioned herself right in front of me and is staring directly at my face i don't see her because i'm too busy <laughs> looking up and at some point i looked down and she just scared the bejesus out of me like just seeing her stare at me with those dark made up made up eyes and that makeup that they have i just i just i i was like ah and then she was perfect all she did was she just gave a little chuckle, turned around and ran off, like walked off. And it was just like, like her job was done. Yeah. Like, she did her I, job. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so that was, and,
8: I love how some of the cast members just yes, love to get into yes,
2: it. Yes, exactly. And I mean, that's true for so many of the experiences at Disney, you know, when you've got sure. great cast members, it just makes it enhances it even more.
7: Yeah. When we do the, uh, uh, we did the, uh, Mickey's not so scary Halloween. It took the kids down there and, uh, they, uh, there was like a lot of people dressed up in people familiar to the interior of the of the haunted mansion, but outside. But they had one lady. We stood there and watched her for like almost ten minutes. She was just, she must have been a stand up co- comedian by by day. I mean, she was just rifling off jokes one right after the other and i'm like boy these people are really trained i mean this is not just okay look good and float around and and all this kind of stuff uh they had they had dialogue that they had learned and stuff they did a great job
2: there's a reason they call all their employees cast members
7: yes yes
2: um which i applied to once but i uh, did not
7: yeah did but not the, they it. yeah that was your training when they scared you say that means he lost out <laughs> exactly
2: yeah get him yeah. out of here Get him out. i, I failed <laughs> um the other thing I think is key to the Haunted Mansion, and I think, Mike, you kind of hinted at it as well, is that um, it, it's not just a haunt. Like, I mean, I've been to some where, like I said, they, they throw everything at you. They they The lights go out and then you sort of have to feel around and there's a weird sort of texture on the walls. And then, you know, like the lights will come on and somebody will run at you with a a chainsaw or something. And then the next person tries to grab you. And it's just so random. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing about all the Disney rides. And this is, this is, this is all Walt really, is that they're about story. They tell a story. Um, And, and, and you feel that, that when you're in the ride, even if it's not like a to B, what the story is, you kind of feel that there's something here more than just visuals.
7: Yeah, the, um, it's it's interesting to me. The scariest ride I ever went on was last year here in town. They had a, a a fair here in town, and I went in. It was me, the kids, and Linda, and slapped the twenty bucks down. Get in there, get in the car, and start riding through. And you go through these hallways with nothing. There's nothing going on, but you hear some noises, and then you see this big corpse up on the wall that's being electrocuted it just goes fry them all and then the lights go out and then you go a little further and then there's another one up there on the wall it goes fry them all it must have been like a texas ride or something like that of course and so and so and then the doors open here outside and i said oh my god i lost 20 bucks and that was the reason it was the scariest ride i had ever <laughs> if you guys i mean i couldn't believe it i mean i went outside and i said that was the I mean, our house here decorated for Halloween. If you walk through this house, we, if we charged you 20 bucks, you would have gotten more out of it than you did from this ride. Walt Disney World is packed i mean that ride is packed there's a million things to look at there's singing heads in the graveyard there's stuff there's stuff still i looked at the ride uh, the other day on video be- before this show to to just you know reacquaint and there's stuff there's like heads weird heads popping out behind the gravestones i had never seen before it, it it's just it's just a testament to having a ton of great talent in in a in a small space not really small but you know what i'm saying
2: Sure. The, the story is one that's also uh, open interpretation because I know that there's been a lot of theories about what exactly is the story about the ghosts and and the haunts and everything like that. I think now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, one of one of the ones that I sort of sort of think is pretty cool, and I'm not sure how much traction it has, is that uh, the main. Story is that it involves the captain from the Pirates of the Caribbean ride.
7: Oh, I didn't know there was a connection, but yeah. Oh yes, yes Captain yes. Gore, oh. and
2: that uh, and that it's him who uh, uh, is is he the is he the hatbox ghost? I don't know. I don't know, Rita. Do you know um, that a little bit more of that than I do? I'm I'm sort of fuzzy on that, and I should have done my, I should have done my research, but. Uh,
8: he, he, he... No, he's not the hat Bacchus ghost. Uh, Captain Gore was, um, before Disneyland actually opened, you know, they were trying to come up with a whole bunch of, you know, different, th- uh, stories, uh, for the Haunted Mansion. Captain Gore was one of them. Uh, it, it, didn't quite make it into the overall story, but the character I believe is somewhere in the Haunted Mansion, uh, as a portrait, um. I'll I'll have to uh, look up my little history book that I have uh, to get yeah, a there few was more something details also on that about,
2: one. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was something also about the way that something one window faces or something, and it faces directly at the, or at least in Disneyland, it faces directly at the Pirates of the Caribbean tower, so that like there's a specific link that way. but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, subject to interpretation, they leave it open. Um, but with like all good stories need good characters and the Haunted Mansion is chock full of great characters. Um,
8: well, yes. Yeah, Rita, go ahead.
2: I was going to ask you like, what's the (laughs) name of a couple of your favorites? (laughs)
8: Well, you've got Mr. Gracie, of course. I mean, he's the one you see when you first walk into the Haunted Mansion in the foyer. He's the the portrait that you see change from a young man to a a skeletal figure. Uh, Obviously, you have the hitchhiking ghost. You have, uh, and the cool thing is, is that they've been, you know, releasing, not necessarily releasing, but expanding more on the characters the last few years. Like my favorite character right now is Amicus Arcane. He is the Haunted Mansion librarian. Uh, of course, you've got the hitchhiking ghosts. Uh, Ezra is the most popular one. You've got Constance. You've got Sally the tightrope walker. Uh, there, there's so many to pick from now.
3: Yeah, and uh,
2: Madame Leota is one that definitely uh, I I, th- I think of. Uh, right away as well that that seance room is she's fabulous she
8: yeah she is fabulous not only is the original Madame leota um still featured in the haunted mansion rides i'm so happy that you know there had always been rumors that they were going to update the globe you know put in a new actress and so on but they never did and not only was she always fantastic as Madame Leota, her name was actually That's Leota right. Tunes. Really? And she was a Disney Imagineer. Oh, that That's awesome.
2: Yeah.
7: <laughs> yeah, that's inter- one thing that's interesting about uh, this. Uh, the ride is that it kind of is. It has a pulse to it, like all of a sudden you'll be hit by a ton of stuff, and then they'll slow it down for a little bit, and all of a sudden it'll be very, very, very kind of not still, but very soft and delicate, like the very. I remember even in in seventy four we're going out we've just been hit with this whole ride and as you're leaving there's that little lady up above the door just saying it's nice to see you and you know us up and and i remember just
3: Hurry i just back. remember looking at that
7: Hurry and going, back. that's nuts i mean it's it <laughs> looks like i could reach up and 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 touch that ghost things like that uh the uh, you know in the in the lady that we're talking about in the crystal ball i mean and, and with the with the crow there i mean that's more subtle then, like when you get into the into the cemetery and everybody's singing, and this is the thing with me, being a science fiction dude, so old old movies and all that sort of stuff. Anything from Thurl Ravenscroft, who was the uh, the the uh, uh commander in the Corbomite Maneuver. I mean, the puppet head, not the not uh, Ron Howard's brother, but that's the same thing. I got into an argument. With a, a a famous television and movie historian, and he says, "Well, that was uh, Paul Frees." And I said, "No, that's not Paul Frees. That's Thurl Ravenscroft, who was Tony the Tiger, and also sang the Grinch song, who sings the you know one of the main guys on the." Uh, Grimgrin and ghosts about to socialize, yes, you know, that yep. kind of thing. And, uh, and that, but Paul Fries is at the beginning. He's the narrator and yes. his voice is throughout, who was in so many of my favorite movies as a kid and in Disney films and in, you know, all this stuff to hear these beautiful voices. And of course, uh, um, I'm sorry, the, the name of the lady, uh, in the crystal ball, uh, who's, uh,
2: Madame no,
7: Yeah, this, the, the one who Liotta. was in, uh, who was in Sleeping Beauty is the, uh, as the uh, evil witch in 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 that am i am co- correct right that's the same that's the same actress i believe she was the mother she was the evil witch in sleeping well, beauty and she was the evil stepmother in cinderella she was well
8: so you mean maleficent, yeah, maleficent and, sorry. Um, well the the yeah.
2: The, the and Madame Tremaine is one thing is played by one person. And yeah. The but the voice, I'm saying the voice, yeah, is yeah, another. the voice, right. The voice is and yes. and when
7: you're watching, it's like, how yeah. could you
2: get anybody? Why would you ever replace that? Are you nuts? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. Don't now, you know, don't, don't touch don't it. Don't not just leave it alone.
8: Well, j- just because they toyed with the idea, didn't mean that they actually yeah. would uh, change it. I-, I think fans of the, attraction would riot <laughs> if if yeah, that were to we've ever seen, happen
2: obviously we've seen stupid things happen with they change stuff uh you know with like with the pirates and all that kind of stuff so you, never know. 20, you never know Twenty thousand. you never know yeah exactly <laughs> but uh uh but mark to your point um paul freeze actually i think has the one of the best lines i think of all the like throughout the ride for me is that when he says i'm your host you're ghost host like it's just (laughs) it's just just like i mean the way he says it 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 sends chills up my spine it really does and it's like oh it's such a good a good creep you know yeah yeah
8: i I mean for for me the the whole monologue at the beginning you know when hinges creak in doorless chambers (laughs) i love that and then when, when he says that and then he's like welcome foolish mortals to the haunted mansion it bring it gives me chills every single time i listen to it it makes me want to <laughs> leave work go to the magic kingdom get on the ride every so, single time so, so
2: the last time i was uh, able to go to magic kingdom was in uh 2015 uh, we took uh my young nephew there and uh we went to the magic kingdom it was michelle's first time and the haunted mansion was not in service that so i it is a oh, itch. No. it is an itch That's that sad. i've been meaning to scratch for like wow. five, like 5 <laughs> years now i'm like we have to go back we have to go back uh, wow. um That's uh bad. i want to talk a little bit about uh the hatbox ghost the hatbox ghost was one of my favorite characters but obviously not from the ride because he's I don't know. Has he ever been in the, in the magic kingdom ride? I don't
7: think he's at right. that. I don't think he's nope. at the one here in Florida. But he's, yeah.
2: he's, he's, he's in nope. like, you know, my, um my book record, my, you know, the story and song from haunted mansion uh, that I had as a kid. And I, and I remember buying that at Walt Disney world. Um, and I think we were talking about merchandise earlier. I went crazy, of course, with merchandise when I was a kid at that stuff. And pirates, I walked away with like a, a flag, a pendant, a hat, a sword, everything, because there's a store like right when you exit, right? Yes. But Haunted Mansion did not have uh-huh. that. They did not have a store. I would have walked out with tons of Haunted Mansion stuff, yeah. but they just didn't have that available. So I just had, you know, the the record. I got a rock. I got a <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I walked out
7: and the only thing there was in the whole, in the whole park in 74, there might've been one or two other things I didn't see, but I got a postcard with some of the ghosts playing like bagpipes or something.
2: That was it. And a death.
8: Oh, I, I, and they had the invisible dog.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, but like I said, uh, one of my one of the pages in there depicts the uh, hat box ghost and it's such a striking image. The artwork, by the way, on that uh, on that uh, book record set is. Oh, just, it's yeah, it's classic. It's, it's classic. Ca- it's classic. Yeah. Do you know who that is?
7: Mark? I, no, but it's that classic that that uh, late 50s, early 60s, when they were use, uh, acrylic paint and used being used that way was fairly new.
2: Colin and, Campbell. Sorry. It says right uh, here on the back of the record uh, yeah. illustrations by Colin Campbell.
7: Beautiful. I mean, beautiful stuff. I mean, it's uh, you know, um, those guys could do no wrong. I mean, that was back when we when I was going to Disney, where you could still see some of the signs and stuff that they had up, like at the Country Bear Jamboree, were still they were painted by hand. Those weren't Mm. prints. Those weren't Mm. printed out or anything like that. Those were the original pieces of artwork. You know, who knows what those things would go for? But um, yeah, great stuff.
2: The but as far as the Hatfield ghost goes. it was just the hat box ghost it was just one of those things that was like yeah i was like i don't ever remember seeing him i would look for him and he wasn't there i thought i'd missed him you know or in my head you know i was like surely he was there when i was a kid but nope i i guess i guess the the story goes is that he was there in the original ride for a little bit in at disneyland but then the logistics of the the, the the effect didn't really work that well or kept breaking, so they took him out. And it was only within the last, what, 10 years that they put him yeah. back? Yeah. Yes. So yes. has anybody seen him? Awesome. I have. So, you, so you've actually been to yep, Disneyland as well?
8: Well, it, we went a few years ago, and we went uh, during October. So, of course, we got to enjoy the Nightmare Before ah. Christmas overlay, which was absolutely Is fantastic, it? by the way.
2: Because I kind of like, but I you, feel like if I want to go to the Haunted Mansion, I want to go to the Haunted Mansion. Like,
8: <laughs> Oh, I do, too. But it, 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 it's, all, it's also another okay. unique experience. And as a fan of Nightmare Before Christmas, it was very enjoyable. But they did keep the uh, the hatbox ghost in during the overlay, so we did get to see him. Uh, so it, it's cool, you know. It, I'm not sure if it was a projector or a digital thing that they do now, uh, but you know that his face disappears, it shows up in the hatbox, and then pops up back in his face. It, it was actually
0: really. So super
7: let, cool. can, let me ask you a question, Rita. The uh, difference between the haunted—I, th- I have never been. I, hell, I've never even been in the state of California. But the difference between—they <laughs> won't let him in. Be, between, uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the difference between the haunted mansion and and the uh, uh, and the, the haunted—well, not haunted mansion, the one in California. What's the difference? What would how would you describe the difference between the two?
8: I can't make an accurate comparison because the only time I've seen the one in Disneyland was when. Okay, it had
7: but I override. mean, is there is there a scale difference? I mean, is the one is the Haunted Mansion a lot bigger, or is uh, it smaller, or is about the same?
8: the 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 entryway, for example, is a bit different. Um, overall, the majority of the scenes are going to be the same okay. as you see in the Magic okay. Kingdom. Now, of course, when you go to Disneyland Paris, you right. have the Phantom Manor. That's manner.
2: completely different, right? Yes. You,
8: it's a completely like different Tokyo layout. Different too, uh, you right? go. To, yep. Yes, that one is also different. That one yeah. is Mystic uh, Manor, if I remember. And I believe the one in Shanghai is also a, a version right. of Mystic Manor. So it's it's more magical, right. kind of supernatural. Um, I would love to one day be able mm. to see all of them. But for, for me, the one in the Magic Kingdom is always going to hold a very special right. place in my heart. But, man, let me tell you, I was so jealous when I saw all of the 50th anniversary (laughs) uh, celebrations that were taking place in Disneyland. (laughs) And then we just get this one tiny little day on August 9th with some merchandise and some little photo ops and a special (laughs) cupcake. Well, they had this whole, it it was practically a convention for the Haunted Mansion inside the park. It was $300 a person. If I lived in Disneyland, I totally would have done it. Well,
2: I'm sure if you lived in California, you would be a season ticket holder. Oh, I was. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's true. You were. Now, Mike, have you been on both? Oh, yeah. Okay. So what would you say are the differences, if there are any?
1: Well, first off, like you had mentioned earlier, the one in Disneyland is the New Orleans-style house and such. And it is a lot smaller than the Disney World. Because the Disney World is more the mansion, the more spread out and such. Because it's just, you know, you could, you could actually stand outside the Disney World one and you could see like the windows light up and everything and like the observatory on the side and such. And it's just, it's major differences there. And like Rita had said, there is a it's a true elevator when you walk into the room and it it goes down and right. you know it's and but it once you get into the ride itself, you can't really tell much of a difference
3: mm-hmm.
1: and anything and it I,
3: no I know it was I couldn't.
1: it was so seamless between the two and trust me when i, I was i was at one point at Disneyland probably three times a month. I took full advantage wow. of that season pass. <laughs> you know, oh, every time, every, everyone, time well, anyone mean, came to visit me in California, where are we going? Disneyland, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and,
8: well, I mean, Jason and I live an hour away. I mean, we have our annual passes. We're probably at the parks at least once or twice a month. You know, if you know, when we can, exactly because all more. the
1: special events that they have there. And when I, was living in California, that's also when they opened the, you know, California adventure, that it was brand new. They were just opening and they also opened downtown Disney for, for Disneyland at the time. So I used to even go see concerts there at the house of blues that was right there. So literally I was there all the time and it was just a blast to go and just the feel and everything. And Haunted Mansion was one of the first places we went. Because literally Haunted Mansion in Disneyland is almost right next to Pirates of the Caribbean. It's not that far. And, you know, you also then had the Indiana Jones ride into the Jungle Cruise. You know, you had... at also you had the what, Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. Right. And, you know, all these different things that are a little bit different than Disney World. And so... It was neat to see the subtle differences, but Haunted Mansion was the reason to go, and it was just always a blast. And now they're coming out with all these, all this merchandise for it. <laughs> it's, it's about was like, time. <laughs> it's and about it's time. all it fabulous,
8: and and the art and the artwork that we're finding now at the Art of Disney store too. It, mm-hmm. it just exactly. blows my mind.
1: Exactly, and it's just like, oh, this is this is just awesome. And, you know, I remember, you know, when William was little, we took him to go to Haunted Mansion. He was frightened as heck. And then he, you know, when and this was at Disneyland and he was maybe at the most three years old. And he was like,
2: Dad, I want to go again. Dad, I want to go again. You know, which was awesome. (laughs) Cool. I know that the next time I go to Disney World, uh, that's the first that's the first ride I'm hitting <laughs> and That'll I'll probably good. hit it. And I,
3: uh, hopefully yeah, you close. get to go soon. It'll
2: probably be closed, <laughs> And then and then I'll probably hit it again, like before I leave, too. So um I think it, you know, when I used to live in Orlando, I think when the last time that I went to Disney before I moved to Atlanta, I think the last ride I went on was Haunted Mansion, because I was like, this is the the one I want to remember. Um and, and to your point, I think, uh, I think Rita, you mentioned this about the artists, like, I don't think I've seen any other ride at Disney inspire so much beautiful, like artwork and design work. Like, I mean, everybody likes, yeah, Space Mountain. And everybody likes, you know, um, you know, um, exactly. There are some, and... there are some really great, like things that have been, you know, associated with those rides, even pirates, right? But oh, there's yeah. something about yeah. Haunted Mansion where I've seen, I mean, we've had comics. We've had a few different comics come out about the Haunted Mansion. Uh, unfortunately, we've had a really poor movie uh, about the Haunted, uh, Haunted Mansion. Oh, wait, uh, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. I oh. love
8: that movie. I love that okay, movie. Do not, not knock it. it. Uh,
2: uh, <laughs> I will not knock it. And to be honest, I've never seen it. So I, I, I can't knock it. What? Uh, I just It just didn't. It it just I didn't want the experience to be tarnished for the haunted mansion, so I was afraid it it won't be. So, Uh,
8: I I absolutely love the film. I mean, could they have done a little bit better with it? Sure. Um, If they do make a remake, I do hope they fix a few things. But the, for example, the soundtrack to that movie is just absolutely beautiful. The story behind it was fantastic. There's so many nods to the ride. Okay, yeah, watch the film. I have to. I think you'll, as, as a fan, you'll appreciate it. But yeah, going back to the artwork, for example, uh, the 50th anniversary print that was uh, released by Disney by the artist uh, Jeremy Fulton is absolutely beautiful. Uh, he was the one who also did the 40th and the 45th anniversary prints. Um, and the level of detail, in the artwork just absolutely blows my mind, and I mean I, I have like about probably six or seven prints now that I need to get up around the room, which by the way, my home uh, master bedroom is also decorated yeah. in I kind of
1: figured it would be) yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
8: Well, check out YouTube. I
2: have a video on it. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely have to put a link to that uh, on our show notes. Oh, now, here
7: definitely. here at the house, we dress up like. A couple of years, we've dressed up like, uh, you know, the the helpers at the on the ride and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. we'll do the we'll do the whole. Uh, I'll wear the suit and everything. Linda's got the dress. Uh,
8: um, I have a. You know. that, that's awesome. I actually have a friend. Uh, last year's Mickey's Not So Scary, and I think they actually did it again this year. They actually dressed up as two of yeah. the singing bus. I mean,
2: it's just <laughs> great. And and that's the thing too. I mean, oh, the singing bus. We didn't even talk about them. They're just well, awesome. That's, ther, that's why I was
7: saying thorough. Ravenscroft was one of the singers on that. But it, that that blew my mind in '74 in to see. Probably the technology's been updated, but they haven't changed the look. It still looks exactly the same. But I remember like being such a techno idiot back then. Oh, how do they do the special effect? Oh, blah, blah. And looking back over my shoulder out of the ride to see the projector projecting to the bust or whatever. Um, matter of fact, we were on the ride one night and the ride was stopping for some reason. It just stopped. And we were there, we were in, it was, uh, I was in a car, Linda and then James and Abel were in another car. And I was like, I, I took my camera out and I hit the flash to take a picture, right? Oh. oh no! Oh no! Every every the ghost. No. Well, I mean, we, like we were that. stuck there. You know, I needed some entertainment, so I hit the flash, and everybody started yelling at me. Linda's yelling at kids.
3: Yeah, what are you doing?
7: You ruined Christmas. And I'm just like, but but it was neat to see. It was like one of those places where you're going through, and you saw all the eyes on the walls looking at you. Mm-hmm. And it was neat. I mean, there was all this pipes and all this stuff with the with with these like little graphics on the end, so the eyes would light up. You know, it just it fascinated me. But I know that nowadays, I'm sure they've updated like the special effects for the the girls saying, you know, come again sometime and all that. I'm sure they've updated them from motion picture projectors projecting that stuff. You know, I mean, that would be ridiculous. Of you know. course, they're all digital now in 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 the projectors and stuff.
2: And I think. If I'm not mistaken, I think out of the entire ride, the 999 ghosts—I don't know if anybody's ever actually counted them—but I take them at their word—that um, there's only one human that you see, a like live human that you see in the in the course of the ride. Is that? That's the grave what, digger. That's the grave digger who the always sells it to me because he's yeah. terrified, um, even though you're really <laughs> not. Yeah. It just his 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 like f- legit frozen fear depicted that way really kind of gets me like every time. So no, sure. well, I
7: mean, you almost see him first and then you come around the corner and there's all this, you know, all these things going on. Even the ghosts that are flying through the air, that are like projected up into the sky, are a little reminiscent of the scene at in Fantasia with the, with the dead people coming up out of the graves and flying up to the mountain. And then, and then you look back and you oh, see this, yeah. you see this, the, you know grave digger who's just scared <laughs> scared to death and the dogs ears and the dog. A the <laughs> bit of air they got a little bit of air running across the dog's ears so they flutter you know As, <laughs> i remember my dad seeing that and just he, it, just he thought that was the funniest thing it was great it's great stuff you know mm-hmm.
8: it, it, it's so cute because during the uh the boo to you uh parade during uh mickey's not so scary they actually have the grave digger with a dog oh, wow. an actual okay. dog oh, wow so, that
1: nice that is awesome nice
2: Well, uh, we're almost at the, at the end of the discussion, I'm afraid. So, uh, yeah, um, and the,
8: but I can talk uh, about this for a whole other hour. I think think they're,
2: I think they're a legit (laughs) podcast devoted to this. So, um, uh, like they come out like weekly. Um, it's, uh, yeah, all they'd have to do is spotlight a ghost in an episode, right? Um, exactly. But of course, the ending is perfect with the uh the the perfect effect of the three ghosts appearing in your buggy um as you're leaving it's just so well done so simple but yet uh perfect and um yeah thanks guys for for making this a perfect discussion as well Uh, any last words uh rita from you on the on the haunted mansion i know it won't be the last words but for at least this episode
8: um, my last words are going to be to you, Mike. Get to Disney soon, please. You need to get a haunted mansion fix.
2: It's, it's tugging at me. Uh, Marco, you on?
7: my uh yeah i mean i got to get back down there that's my that's my last word i mean i don't understand how something you know you see you, you go to the movies and you see a film that you absolutely love and you go back and you see it a second third fourth time and then you get it on blu ray it's weird because you get away from this and you still get pulled you have to go back down and see it again it's 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 I always consider Disney World to be one of the greatest places for man showing some of the stuff of what they could do to, to to put a smile on a person's face. Well, the Haunted Mansion is ground zero in that park. To me, it's just one of the greatest places in the world, you know? So that's my last word.
2: Absolutely. Mike, you want to follow that?
1: Well, it's hard to follow Maddox because he's so perfect, of course.
2: Yes, well,
1: he's, he's award-winning. He is award-winning, you know, and we just well. gro- grovel at his feet most of the time. You know, if you have a chance, and if you haven't been to Haunted Mansion in long, long time, you know, both Mike and I, major time from Disney World, but you know, it is worth going to. Make a trip to it. It is the cream of the crop for haunted houses. You know, it is, for all ages, it'll give you a shiver, it'll give you a laugh, and it'll give you a rollicking good time. And it's worth it to go to either one of them, or any of them, at any of the Disney parks. If you ever have a chance,
2: I definitely would highly recommend. Yeah, it is the, for me, as much as I like some of the other rides, um, you know, uh, Pirates would be a close second for me. Um, But Honey Mansion is the perfect dark ride. I mean, it almost seems like I know that dark ride means something else. But to me, it's just like, well, that's what, of course, that's what Mahana Mansion is. It's a dark ride. Um, um, And everything that comes out of it, everything that's associated with it, whenever I see it, uh, you know, that pattern, that wallpaper pattern or someone, you know, cosplaying as a character Uh, Or even the merchandise, damn you, Disney. Um, (laughs) I I, I just, uh, you know, I have to, like, it just pulls me in. So, yeah, there's, at some point, I will return to Disney World, certainly. But, yes, I hope to see the original one at Disneyland at some point as well. Uh, In
8: the words of Madame Leota, just be sure to bring your death.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will get our doom buggies out of here. Uh, Thanks, guys. And uh, we will be right back with the ESO Network Con Report.
3: Boys and girls of every age, would you like to see something strange?
1: Come with us, and you will see this our town of Halloween. This is Halloween, this is Halloween. Ha-
6: Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance television show on Netflix. A few weeks ago, I talked about the original Dark Crystal film. I had rewatched the movie to prepare for watching the new Netflix series, since it had been many, many years since I had seen the original film, and I was super pumped for the Netflix series. I wasn't sure how the prequel story would work, since we kind of already know the fate of of many of these characters by the movie. Since, you know, the show is also 10 episodes and they're all an hour long, so I know there's a vast world, but how are they going to fit it all together? But holy cow, after watching it all, the first season was wonderfully put together. This series goes so much more into the world of Thraw than the movie does, which relied very heavily on visuals of the world with some story, whereas the Age of Resistance relies on the visuals, but is so much more character-driven than the original film. I believe this to kind of be because filming puppets is a lot easier now than it used to be, and there are so many more technological advances to make it easier on them to create these type of stories now. The story follows a group of Gelflings who find out that their lords are not the noble rulers they thought they were, and are just evil beings that will do anything, including wiping out an entire race, and putting the world in ruin to stay alive forever. The group of Gelflings go on a journey to try and save their world and their race. We see how the political power inside each Gelfling tribe is handled, and how the Skeksis manipulated them over the years. I would highly recommend this show. Even if you have children that have not seen the original film, I felt the show to be a bit more engaging than the original movie, but also for the story they were telling each one taking a different approach fit really really well but even if you haven't seen the original movie you can still watch this show and it not really like take away from it because it is set before the original movie well thanks for listening to a Geek Girls Take what will I talk about next week well you're going to have to listen to find out
1: for the week of October 15th 2019 it's the ESO Network Con Report Con!
2: Well, a couple weeks ago uh, at Monsterama, when we talked about it, I revealed that that was my last convention appearance or uh, attendance, actually, of the year. And, Mike, I believe you had your last uh, convention appearance attendance this weekend at ACC, or Atlanta Comic Convention, 100.
1: That is right. I was actually in attendance at the 100th appearance of the ACC, and it was amazing because I'd almost say between you and I, we've been to over half of them.
2: Well, I don't know about uh, half. I mean, they've been doing it a long time, and they do. And the thing is, they do like for a year. So, and they've been doing it for obviously twenty some years. Is that right? I'm doing the math on that. Right? Yeah, 25 that sounds years? about right. So, and I've been to Atlanta, I've lived in Atlanta for about 23, 24 years. So, yeah, I mean, um, I've been to a lot of them for sure. And uh, it is a testament to Wes and Dave and everybody there that they've kept up with doing the Atlanta Comic Convention, a wonderful one-day show. They haven't tried to grow. They haven't tried to make it a two- or three-day show they haven't moved it around. Kids, it It's in the same location uh, every, every few months. Um, it's consistent, and it's fun. I mean, people just know that this is the place to go to get um, great deals in comics and see some creators and hang out and talk geeky with a bunch of people. So it's well, really exactly. a great atmosphere.
1: It's a great thing. It's once a quarter, basically, you could say. Yep, yep. And it is always great to go to the show because there's sometimes there's a lot of the same uh, comic guys, dealers and such, uh, and people selling books and trades. And then also, of course, ops and toys. And it's just always great. But then you also have the, the independent creators and such. And, you know, yesterday was no exception. I got to spend time with former co-host Bobby Nash.
2: Award-winning, Bobby Nash.
1: That is right, the award-winning. And me and him sat and chatted for quite some time, got caught up with some projects we were working on and different things that we had you know, happening in in each other's lives and such. And it was a lot of fun. Got to see also Jason Flowers and a few other folks that we knew, and it was just really neat to see. And it was, as we always like to say, it's great to see the, the amount of people turning out for these shows.
2: Yeah, my understanding is is they had about 800, a little over 800 people there, and they didn't have like a big celebrity, quote-unquote celebrity or artist guest. They just had kind of everybody who has really been part of it over the last, you know, 20-some years. So uh, what better way to celebrate it, right? Oh,
1: exactly. That's exactly where I was going with it. And, you know, and it's neat because they are getting more and more cosplayers and they're getting more younger people coming, too. And it's great to see the amount of energy that with the kids and everything. But one of the things Bobby and I were talking about, what that was, was interesting, is a lot of people aren't coming to buy comics and stuff. It's more for the social and seeing, you know, the people there for, you know, as you know, seeing the people just hanging out and talking and taking pictures of each other. And it it's it's a win-lose situation with that because i know people go to these shows to sell or to promote and if it's going more for social it doesn't help them with that
2: yeah there's uh there's an element of that i think um you'll see you know some extreme versions of complaints about that happening for uh every Convention, you know, especially ones that are comic related. But I I do like the fact that Dave and Wes have always made sure that comics are at the forefront of ACC. You know, as small as a show it is, there's you know that room is is ninety five percent comics, back issues, Golden Age comics at 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 good prices. Um, a lot of retailers there, a lot of people just trying to sell off their collections, and then you know independent creators out uh, out in the front hall. I mean, it's just it's just a perfect way to sort of celebrate that that sort of medium, you know.
1: Oh, of course, and that's part of the fun with it is, you know, to celebrate all things comics, and you could find you know comics from you know the Silver Age or in the Golden Age and bronze age all the way through to present times and if you know as i like to say if it's something that you're looking for you're bound to find it there it might not be the prices you want to pay but you're bound to find it because you know everyone though wants to make a deal they don't want to schlep it back home with them but you know it's kind of you know the win-win situation for the collectors too
2: yeah that's good i'm i'm i wish i could have been there um uh, because i i like the show a lot and uh, as you said i like i like going and hanging out but i also make sure that i always uh walk away with something uh because uh um uh, and i try to pay for it for two um well, you know um, but i
1: remember the time the cops were chasing after you that one
2: time well you know um uh that yeah that's uh not really that much of a chase because I can't really move that fast. But, um, but, uh, anyway, but it was fun to watch. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Um, but congratulations to uh, Dave and Wes on 100 shows. And I know they're not stopping um, uh, because they've got a, a next show planned for January. And as soon as we have the exact date on that, we, of course, make it part of the con report. And, you know, barring anything else uh, conflicting, Mike and I will be attending that as well. Of course,
1: and that's usually either January or right before the Super Bowl.
2: So, speaking of not stopping after doing a uh, whole bunch of shows, um, yeah, we can announce that we do have a time and a place for... um, For what? For what, Mike? For Earth Station 1 500. (laughs) Yes, we, um, we will be recording... Live in front of a studio audience. Uh, well, we hope we will be refer- we will be recording live in front of whoever wants to show up, uh, and we will be doing so on November twentieth, which is a Wednesday night, uh, on um, at uh, the best comics shop in Atlanta. It was recently voted on by the readers of Creative Loafing. Um, the new store. It's only been around. It hasn't even been a year yet. Uh, Infinite Reality. So uh, we will be at Infinite Realities in Tucker, Georgia on November 20th. Again, it's a Wednesday night. At 9 p.m. is when we're slated to start the show. So uh, try to get there a little early if you plan on coming. Uh, if you need more information, please watch this space. Uh, listen to the con report uh, because we will talk about uh, more details as, they, as we get closer to the event. Um, but we definitely are encouraging – you know, um, past guests, um, people that we've had on the show, friends of the show, um, everybody, you know, who's listened to us, or even if you just want to come and check us out for the first time, um, we, we are encouraging you to come by and say, howdy. Uh, we're definitely going to have some programming, uh, some scheduled things that Mike and I are going to talk about and do, but we also, just like everything else, we want to make it, make sure that you guys have a chance to be heard as well and have an opportunity to uh, to voice, to, to lend your voice to our show, because uh, you guys are the reason that we've done 500 episodes, to be honest with you. Um, it's certainly not because I like hanging out with this guy. Just kidding. Um,
1: really? <laughs> Remember, who's the one who can edit you out of anything?
2: I'm surprised I'm on any shows at all. So, uh, um, But, um, no, for real, it's been... You know, we're going to like we've got weeks before we have to get all sentimental about it because we are we are the road to 500. I mean, we are well on it. So uh, as a matter of fact, the the, you know, it's almost it's almost here. But just know that um, Wednesday, November 20th in Tucker, Georgia at Infinite Realities is where you're going to find us to record episode 500 and there may be an opportunity for those people who can't be there in person for them to participate as well we're working on all the details like i said keep listening to this space and not only about episode 500 but about any local shows or conventions that you want to rant and rave about we love talking about them because we love hearing about conventions
1: So that's gonna wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Let's thank our guests for being here tonight. The lovely Rita Della Torre. Thank you so much.
8: Thank you for having me.
1: And Rita, I just wanted to say it was so amazing to see your full-tron costume. Oh, oh thank God. you. That was just so that was, was bad. Thank you.
8: Well, if, if if you that
1: that won the con If, if for you me. want
8: to see it in person. Uh, I actually donated it to uh, Joe Crow and Gary from the American Sci-Fi Classics track, and I'm going to help them set it up as a track room prop uh, next year.
1: Oh, that is awesome! And I'm sure you're going to be very happy not to walk on stilts. Yes, next year.
8: I, I loved being <laughs> in it. It was great. I'm never going to walk in drywall stilts again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, because we saw you coming out of the costume a couple times and uh, going in. And it was just like, oh, you are. Yeah, tripping. but
8: the you highlight are. for me was definitely a couple of the Voltron voice actors actually stopped me to take a picture with me. And I'm like, oh, that was just so awesome.
1: <laughs> that is awesome. Anything you want to promote?
8: Well, actually, seeing as this is a Halloween episode, we have Ooh. a Halloween Special for Vampires of Whitechapel and Continuum Force. That's gonna be coming out in a few uh what? Halloween. Uh yeah, it's gonna actually be coming out on Halloween. And it will be a Patreon exclusive. And if you visit transmissions from Atlantis.com, you can get all of the information you need in order to listen to those wonderful episodes. And it'll only cost you a dollar.
2: Yay, that is awesome. awesome. Congratulations by the way on the, the success of the audio oh, and, and the movie and everything. That's fantastic. I love I love what you guys awesome. Are doing. Thank
8: you so much. And here's the best part about the Vamp the Vampires of Whitechapel and Continuum Force uh, Halloween episode. It's a crossover.
1: Oh no <laughs> dun dun
8: dun yep Jason's been working that really awesome. hard on editing this amazing show and I can't wait till he releases it. I think everyone's gonna love it.
1: That is cool that is very cool and you, you guys do such great work in your videos and your audios it's just it's so cool to say i knew you went that was <laughs> <laughs> no, pretty cool with that and mr mark thank you my friend
7: Hey, thanks for having me on here. You know, when you guys told me this was the subject for the week, I was like, heck yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. No problem talking about this subject. So I appreciate you having me on.
2: Have you ever done, uh, I don't think I have, to, have you ever done some um, Honey mentioned inspired artwork? Um, we were talking
7: about, uh, uh, uh me drawing on like some us doing some some cutouts here for the for the our halloween mm-hmm. but uh haven't gotten to it yeah i mean uh, i mean uh, doing uh, doing one of a kind probably original so you could probably live off of it for the rest <laughs> of your life I'm gonna do this ghost this week. You know? I'll do that ghost next week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. Nobody's nobody's really ever commissioned me or anything like that. But uh, I'm more than more than agreeable to doing that kind of work. I love it, you know. So I'm sure it'd be um, a ton of fun for you. Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Anything? Any shows you got coming up?
7: Um, I don't have another show. I don't think until February that would be PensaCon. Um I've got some uh it's weird. I've kind of got gag orders sort of on some of the work I'm doing. I've got uh two um I've got a uh a cover coming out for Shout Factory, uh a Blu-ray. I can't tell you the subject though, because
1: Oh you Mark, you could, you know you could tell us. Nobody listens to our show <laughs> anyway.
2: Yeah. So But, yeah, but I will I say on that note, um, because I don't think the uh the Franklin Jilla Dracula is out yet, but yeah, talk talk. but 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 uh, people can still pre-order that, right?
7: I think if it isn't out yet, it's going to be out like real soon. Yeah, because I, I know I
2: don't have my copy yet, so I, I think did it pre-order might
7: be it. close to Thanksgiving or but something. But
2: that yes. your artwork on those particular those two Dracula uh, Blu-rays was just fantastic.
7: So. I had such a great time. I had such I couldn't believe that I was able to do not only the Frank Langella cover, but finally after literally decades it's going to be with the restored version with the full color the the film for the last 30 years or so has been a desaturated 20 30 years has been a desaturated version uh, from the director you can play his version John Badham's a, a desaturated or the one that was like at the movie theater when we were kids, which was in in full color. And so that's the first. So that makes me feel good. Um, I've got another uh, Blu-ray cover coming out for that company. Can't tell you what it is. I've got two covers coming out from Severin Films. Can't tell you what they are. I've got two covers coming out for Scream Magazine can't tell you what they are, I wish I could even give you a hint
2: you just have to follow him on social media, follow him on Facebook, yeah, as soon as they're out i
7: I throw yeah. i mean I throw it out there, so yeah if i if, oh if does he ever facebook <laughs> yeah, I do I mean you just it it's it's but I guess it's it's exciting to to be told no don't, don't, don't say anything yet, Wait yeah,
1: that's cool, come. man,
7: yeah, no. that's awesome and, man.
1: And man, and you know what I'd love seeing how much how successful you've gotten and all these you know, covers you've been doing and everything. It's pretty damn amazing, my friend.
7: Well, I appreciate it. I mean, you know, Mike, uh, I remember Mike leaning up. And, and I was over at his house, and he's, like, leaning up against the doorframe where he goes, like a dad or something, he goes, you know, you should just be doing this as a full-time job, son. <laughs> <laughs> I it did so. Sort of, yeah, it's like, why are you going to, you know, go do this or that or whatever? You know, it's like, yeah, but, hey, man, there's good money being a fry cook. Mm -hmm. but i just you know i just was like yeah so i mean it's 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 turned into it last (laughs) five four or five years has been a real good thing
1: and it's awesome awesome that you have dude
7: hey friends help man
1: and i'm so proud of you son (laughs) appreciate it thanks pops (laughs) and mr (laughs) gordon thank you for this wonderful topic tonight my friend
2: as always it's my pleasure anything you're gonna shout out about I need to give a shout out to Halloween comic fest. It is coming up uh, at a comic shop near you on October 26th. Uh, and they will have you know, your local comic shop should have uh, free comics available to you, uh, which could be um, Ghostwriter, uh, a Ghostwriter uh, copy of um, Ghostwriter King of Hell. Number one, um, Lady Mechanica, Miles Morales, a Spider-Man book, uh, a Boba Fett. Comics, sonic of course um archie's madhouse magic featuring sabrina um an rl stein comic uh, called just beyond an underdog hijinks uh mini uh book as well as many others so you can find out more information about all the books that should be available at your local comic shop and find out where the local the nearest local comic shop is to you so you can um call them and make sure they are participating you can find all of them at halloweencomicfest.com
1: that is awesome man that is awesome yeah of course you'll have a link to it up on the show notes
2: absolutely it'll be you know it's it's sort of like um free comic book day in october
1: cool that is really cool all right uh, my shout out real quick i think i've already done yesterday the movie which was amazing yeah. i watched it again over the weekend so it was pretty cool but i'm a little bit late to talking about this movie i did uh watch finally the very first hotel transylvania movie and it was awesome it's it was such a, a lot movie. of fun it was great to watch and i could now i know mike why you've been you know saying how great that film welcome was. welcome to the club <laughs> oh, it is awesome now i want to see two and three and at least those are both streaming so i can get i could catch those for free so it'll probably be watched this week but yeah it's the first movie i probably in about 10 years that i've liked adam sandler in. so it's pretty A- and cool. it's one of those yeah, rare I'm... films
8: where the sequels are you know almost just as good as the original film too
2: oh that's yeah. cool I would I would say that the second one almost is a slightly better, at least for as far as when I, I you know watchability, and the third one is just slightly not, but they're, the, there's not a lot of uh, leeway. I mean, they're both it's pretty consistent, mm-hmm. and the, char- the characters are great. And if people, it's that fun kind of you know spooky kind of uh, you know so same thing that what haunted mansion is. If people like the haunted mansion, they'll probably like these movies if they haven't seen them.
1: That's pretty darn awesome. It's, you know, cannot rave enough about it. So it's pretty cool. So we're definitely going to watch the sequels. So there you go. Of course, join us. Speaking of sequels, we have actually something really cool that we're going to be talking about that has been sequeled over and over and over again over the last 50 years. Since we've done 50 years of Haunted Mansion, we're also doing 50 years of Scooby-Doo, where are you? So it's going to be a lot of fun to talk all about Scooby and the gang and all the different incarnations and, you know, all the way up to dystopia Scooby-Doo, which DC Comics recently did. So it should be a lot of fun to do. And, of course, we want to hear from you guys at home. So please write us at earthstation1 at com. Definitely would appreciate it. But we will see you here next week. My name is Mike Faber, and we will talk to you then. Peace. And stay spooky. Bye. And we're done. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. We want to hear from you. Please write us at EarthStation One at ESONetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time here on the Earth Station One Podcast. Peace and we're done.
0: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the T Public Store